I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land. We pay our respect to their elders past and present and to the traditional owners of the game Mangrook, without which our game wouldn't exist. This is Footy Actually, brought to you by Play On Radio. Hello and welcome to Footy Actually, the alternative listening footy podcast for diehard fans. My name is Cal Rowe and I'm here with my co-host, Gemma Bastiani, AFLW analyst extraordinaire. How are you going, Gem? I'm tired. I think oh. I say that every week. <laughs> <laughs> it's a different kind of tired though. Mate, we're so close to the end of the season and as much as I don't want it to end, I want to sleep for a week. I, I totally understand. Like, that's it. We're done. The home and away season for 2022 is complete. Our top six are locked in. Finals hopes were dashed for some. We've had three retirements and some of our non-finalists finished with a bang. I'm a mixed bag of emotions, excited for finals, sad for the end of the season, uh, and, you know, giggling at some silly Sunday social media content. Nathan Burke looking straight down the camera in the presser on Sunday and saying, selectors, if she doesn't get a nomination, then you're bad at your job in regards to Isabel <laughs> Pritchard. And uh, she, she did, in fact, get the nomination. So Also good. Well, on Friday night, the Cats hosted the Giants down at GMHBA Stadium. For both sides, it was a final hit out of the season. Once again, a depleted Giants side were forced to make changes. And once again, it proved to be in their favour. And they staged a monumental comeback in the second half of the game to claim an 18-point win. A young GWS midfield rose to the challenge. The league's most senior player had an absolute belter. Conversely, Geelong started off well, but were unable to match the Giants' scoring onslaught at the back end of the game. I feel like a broken record talking about the Giants, but I that, that game was probably validation for a lot of what I've said throughout the year, which is... When they are forced to make those changes, they look like a fresh side, they play like a fresh side, and more often than not, they come away with the win. Again, we saw it for the first time against the Western Bulldogs earlier in the year. Um, We saw it in that second half against Richmond after they gave up a really big first quarter lead. Yeah. And then again, we saw it on Friday night against Geelong. So I would hope that that lesson has been learned going into next season whenever it starts that maybe just resting on what people have always done isn't necessarily the correct answer yeah I mean any club would take Elise Parker into their side in a heartbeat any club would probably take Cora Staunton those sorts of players in a heartbeat but if footy's a team game 
And just having one or two players that are very good at what they do doesn't always mean mm-hmm. uh, your team's going to win. And the Giants have found that out in the reverse. So their efficiency inside 50 was really the difference in this game. They got a shot on goal 85.7% of the time they got the ball forward, which is outrageously high. And they goaled from 38.1% of entry. So that was the difference. They actually... Um, conceded more inside 50s. Geelong got the ball forward more, but they weren't efficient inside 50. Whereas the Giants, once they got the ball inside 50, they were scoring from it. So that was the difference mm-hmm. in the game. Want to shout out Jess Doyle. She kicked two goals, but her composure, her her quick thinking, and then skill off the back of that is just unbelievable. It's really exciting to see Swans. <laughs> Hopefully. Come on, Jess. Do, do the right thing. Absolutely. Who are you playing performer votes for this round? I've given the three to Amy McDonald. She had 25 disposals, which was the most on ground. But as part of that, she laid 12 tackles, had nine clearances. So I know Amy McDonald doesn't always use the ball the best, but when she's doing the defensive stuff and getting those clearances as well, you have to commend her game. Two to Nicola Barr. She had second most touches on ground with 23 disposals. So she was one of those players that has been used in different ways this year when they've needed, and she's been a real spark for them. So I I just keep using her in in those sorts of ways. I think really important. She also had five score involvements, 249 meters gained. And then one to Cora Staunton. I mean, you can't not give her votes um, because she kicked four goals, including a really incredible final goal of the game. Laid five tackles, 305 metres gain. So, yeah, they're my votes. Absolutely. I am always amazed by Staunton, but she was really on this weekend. I've given her my three. Like you said, she is a key player for them. But when the rest of the team is working as it should, the service up to her is fantastic. Um, And she's just incredibly dangerous inside 50. Uh, I've given two votes to Amy McDonald. Like you said, her defensive work in that game, it's a real credit to her side. They were kept quite busy. Um, And I've given one point to Alicia Eva, who basically had a very fresh-faced young midfield to lead into that game with the absence of Beeson and and Parker and also Chloe Dalton. And I think it's a testament to her leadership that that then pulled itself together and obviously was quite successful for them. So still having impact in uh, in her captaincy role, of course. Mm. On Saturday afternoon, it was do or die for the Pies and they put their best foot forward, running over the Tigers by 38 points to secure their spot in finals. Both sides had some pretty big outs, um, including Katie Brennan for Richmond, thus in ending her impressive goal streak. Technically, it's not ended. She just hasn't played. She kicks a goal in the next one. The streak continues. Well, I feel better about that now because I was disappointed to hear that she was out. But obviously for uh, Collingwood, it was the depth of their list that really held strong. Their backline rebounded well. Some new combos in the middle delivered repeatedly into their forward 50. The Tigers tried to stem the flow, but they were simply overwhelmed by the pious pressure and class with the ball. Yeah, Collingwood's spread has been how they've combated the missing players. They've got the Mm. the stars that are out of their side. So, you know, how easily they move the ball to the open side. Richmond just weren't aware enough that their opponent, their direct opponent, was getting out on their own to the open side. Collingwood's use of the ball, their skills are really good. Not only were they getting into those space, they were aware and they were getting the ball out to them 
so often Sarah Rowe would get the ball in space and, and use her speed inside 50. And it was just the frustrating part was that Richmond didn't twig to it and they just kind of let it happen pretty regularly throughout the game. I commentated this game and what I found really interesting was how Collingwood changed its forward structure throughout the game. Yeah. So quite often they'd have Chloe Malloy start in the goal square, Sabs would start higher up. And then as they moved Chloe into center stoppages, Sabs would move back into the goal square and they would rotate it that way. So that was an interesting watch and it kind of kept Richmond's defense on their toes as well. And Sabs kicked an incredible goal, a snap kind of over her head. It was a ridiculous goal. They also kept Richmond without a mark inside 50. That's wild. So Richmond have won their games this year. They've been a high marking side in attack. And when they've lost, they've struggled to take those marks. And this was one of those the, one of those games. I'd imagine that the absence of Katie Brennan probably didn't help them there because when they have her and Wakefield, there's kind of two tall marking targets. So without one, then, you know, your defense, if they're doing their job, can cover them. I mean, they've they've not had Wakefield for most most of the season. I think the issue is more actually getting the ball inside 50. So Levy was probably a bigger loss in that respect. Levy's kicks inside 50 have been really, really good. And she's able to hit up those. She she kind of forces players to lead out into space. Mm. Um, But we also know Collingwood's defense is probably its best line with or without injury. So uh, yeah, Richmond just struggled. Yeah. Yeah, and they were also missing the pressure from the Hoskins in the middle too. So some big outs, like we said. Who were your play on performance for the round? Uh, given the three to Jamie Lambert, she had 31 disposals, one shy of her career best. Uh, she laid eight tackles, six intercepts, six inside 50s, 448-metres gain. So what that tells us is she was working defensively with the tackles and the intercepts, winning the ball back, and then turning that into attack, the six in- inside 50s, the 448-metres gained. That is turning your intercept, the forced turnovers, into attack for your team. And I think that is a really well-rounded game for a midfielder. Two to Michaela Can. She's really stepped up into that midfield role with a lot of like the Davies and the, and the Benicis being out. She had 22 disposals, which is career high for her. She had seven clearances, which is the most on the ground, and she laid five tackles. So again, it's these midfielders who are winning the ball, but also willing to apply the defensive pressure. And then one to Ruby Slicer, 25 disposals, six intercepts, five score involvement. So again, driving that attack from defensive efforts. And that that's what that represents. So yeah. Yeah, I agree. I've I've also given three votes to Jamie Lambert. She's such a consistent performer, but because of the depth of and the star factor of Collingwood's midfield, she probably doesn't necessarily get all of the recognition that she deserves. So it was, I guess, kind of a, a on the flip side, nice to see her really have that starring role for Collingwood on the weekend and get recognised for it. I've given two votes to Ruby Slicer. Again, her rebound off the halfback is just really exciting. And like you said, it is is their best line. So to see her performing consistently as well across the season. Uh, and I've given one point to Beck Miller. Obviously a hard day for Richmond's defence, um, but she's done a really great job down back all season. Um, so I've given her one vote for that final game. Then we had our second game of Saturday, obviously coming off the back of a disappointing loss to Brisbane last week. The Roos were pretty keen to make up some percentage ground. Their match against West Coast provided just that, with the Roos running over the Eagles by 39 points. West Coast were quick out the gates with the first score, but the Roos gathered themselves for a pretty decisive team display and they cruised to the win. A shining star, of course, was Ash Riddell, who smashed her previous disposal record and now holds it outright with a total of 42 to complete the game. 
Yeah, so North took the second most marks in AFLW history in this game with 95. Huge. They just had that uncontested control of the game, which we talked about being their big thing since they entered the competition, really, is North want to win the uncontested ball, control it on the outside, move it, move it methodically into attack with really clean skill. They've been found out in that respect. Teams have been mm. able to apply pressure this year, so they haven't been able to do that as much. Or teams will allow them to do that in the back half, and then once they try to transition into attack, shut that down. West Coast, obviously, you know, Wooden Spooners, the weakest team in the competition, I think it's fair to say this year, weren't able to shut it down and just let it happen until the final quarter where they they kind of threw everything at the wall, kept North uh, scoreless for that last quarter and kicked two, uh, one goal, two or two of their own goals in the last quarter. So as great as this is for North going into finals with a big win, I don't think it tells us very much about them because they did exactly what they want to do on their terms yeah. against the team that let them do it. These other finals teams aren't going to just let them do what they want like this. So I think that's probably the big question around North for me. Yeah, it's going to be a really interesting matchup next weekend, I reckon. Who are your play on performers for the round? Uh, hard to go past Ash Riddell for the three. Um, you mentioned her 42 disposals being the record. Uh, the, the thing that's really important about this is she didn't just get 42 disposals. She got 42 disposals and used it at 76.2% efficiency. Ridiculous. She didn't just get a lot of the ball and then do nothing with it. She hit targets more often than not, which is really important. She also had seven score involvements, 480 meters gains and nine clearances. So she was really that power out of the middle for them generating attack. Two to Jasmine Garner. She had the 26 touches at 84.6% efficiency. And again, this goes back to our conversation about North just being able to control the uncontested ball on the outside and do what they want with it. These disposal numbers combined with the disposal efficiency of them is indicative of that. Garner also kicked two goals, laid seven tackles and had 11 score involvement. So she had a really big day in the forward half as well. And I've given the one, I had a really hard time choosing who to give the one vote to, but I've gone with Emma Swanson for this one because I think in a season where her side has really struggled, I think Emma Swanson has stood up in every game. And we talk a lot about Hayley Miller being that player that's always stood up in every game, whether Freo are doing well or not. I think we need to recognize that Emma Swanson has done the same thing for her side. She had 27 touches at 74.1% efficiency. She also had six clearances. So uh, she gets my one. I have agreed with at least two of those. Uh, I've given three votes to Ashardell for having an absolute day out. Uh, I've given two votes to Emma King. Obviously, I have a bit of a soft spot for rucks, but I'm really enjoying her ruck forward transition. Uh, obviously, five disposals, two tackles, but she kicked two really key goals. Love to see that. And like you, I've given one vote to Emma Swanson. Really important. To, even when you're at the bottom of the ladder uh, and suffering from not a great season, it's really important um, that your leaders stand up, and, and Swanson's certainly done that. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. So Saturday night, 
presented us with what was possibly the surprise of the round. Carlton absolutely taking it to the Ds and very nearly stealing it, if not, but for a wayward set shot in the final minute. In what I think is clearly an argument for a longer season, it uh, takes 10 rounds for Carlton to find themselves. Uh, the Blues surged up the ground and stifled the D's usual free-flowing gameplay at their own fortress in Casey Fields, no less. The win was saved by Maddie Gay, who took a pretty commanding mark under pressure to slow the flurry down with seconds to spare. Given how much I love a Melbourne-based grand final and knowing the D's needed percentage, I've never felt so torn about a performing Blues side. Yeah, so as we've said for the last month, and again, I feel like a bit of a broken record going back to the GWS conversation and now Carlton, um, as soon as Carlton showed a willingness to apply pressure up the ground, it everything changed. And yeah. we saw the teams that have played well against Melbourne, i.e. Adelaide, i.e. St Kilda for three quarters, it's come off the back of intense pressure that has been relentless. And again, the Saints game, we saw what happened as soon as that pressure gets taken off. Carlton did that really well. And if they'd been doing that for more of the season, um, they'd probably be in finals this year because I think they have the talent. It was about the willingness to do that stuff. And as soon as that clicked in, yeah, they're a great team that challenges teams really hard. So um, they forced Melbourne's second lowest shot efficiency for the season. So Melbourne um, got a shot on goal just 29% of the time they went inside 50, which, again, is their lowest for the year. They averaged 49.8% this year. 49.8% of the time that Melbourne has gone inside 50, they've got a shot on goal. But against Carlton, just 29% of the time. So, again, they went to work, and everything that Carlton did in this game was off the back of pressure. It's, It's as simple as that. Amazing. I love to see it and it gave me something to look forward to next season. There's a lot of really talented young players in that Carlton lineup. Um, and I look forward to seeing that cohesion gel. Fingers crossed they make it through expansion relatively unscathed. My fingers are very crossed. Ah, wishful thinking. <laughs> um, who are you playing on performance? So before the game, the whole conversation was Taylor Harris is playing against her old side for the first time important storyline and then a couple of minutes before the game people were like oh wait it's the first time Aliso Day is playing against their old side as well because they didn't play one another last year and I was like hey guys Maddie Guerin is also playing against her old side for the first time right. um, and that all of that lead up is to say that Maddie got my three votes she had 19 disposals 12 tackles 461 meters gained so again she epitomized what's been going right for Carlton in recent weeks. It really felt like she came out with a point to prove because she kind of got thrown into steak knives with the O'Day deal, really, when you think about it. And she's probably not had the best couple of seasons at Carlton, but Mm. she's come really good in the back half of this season. And yeah, this game was a good example of that. Uh, Toodle Lisa Bannon, her first half in particular was really good. Um, She's had some really good games the past few weeks as well. She, She got the three goals. 12 disposals, five marks. She at, at certain points of the game, she looked like the most dangerous forward on the ground, which is big to say when Taylor Harris, Darcy Vessio, Nicholas Stevens, um, Daisy Pierce, Kate Hoare are all on the ground. But yeah, Alyssa Bannon looked like the most dangerous. Um, Georgia G. There's so many big name forwards that were playing in that game. Um, and then one to Nick Stevens, who also kicked three goals. She had 10 disposals, three marks. So at the other end of the ground, she was doing it for the Blues. 
Yeah, Nick is a very tidy kick, so it was great to see her um, kick three. Uh, I've given three votes to uh, the irrepressible Lily Mithin, who once again was everywhere in that game. I've given two votes to Maddie Gearin. Uh, totally agree with you. She has just come from strength to strength this season. Uh, again, one of those young players who I think if if they can keep that group together will be a real force at Carlton for years to come. And I've given one vote to Alyssa Bannon, who three goals is just fantastic. She's, again, another young face at the Ds who's going to have an absolutely prolific career. And then we move on to our first game on Sunday. Saw the Crows out to claim top spot on the ladder uh, pretty much at exactly the right moment in the season. Despite a home crowd advantage for the Saints, their opposition, they were a little trouble for the dominant Adelaide outfit who won comfortably by 39 points and gave their percentage a boost enough to land the minor premier title. Chelsea Randall returned to the side and Ash Woodland sealed the deal on the leading goal kicker nod with two snags, making her the clear winner ahead of Taylor Harris and Cora Staunton. Yeah, so in this game, Adelaide got got to settle back into that that game style that they used to dominate teams in the particularly in the first half of the season. So that systematic uncontested kick mark game. So they won 43 more uncontested possessions than their opponent. They're not too worried about winning center clearances this year. They had the same number of center clearance as the Saints, but they managed to turn it into 26 more inside 50s and eight more marks inside 50 than St Kilda. So again, they're, they're not concerned about winning the ball at the source. If they do, great. If they don't, not a big deal. They then force the turner over, over on the outside and get the ball inside 50 pretty swiftly. And again, they're a really skillful side to do that. Um, St Kilda, they probably had a better season in the end than they expected, as frustrating mm. as it might have been. They had a couple of close losses, um, got a couple of wins. We got to see the talent of Ella Friend and Ash Richards in particular. I don't know where they stand going forward. Tiana Smith coming back will be a big boost. We don't know how far away that is given we're not sure when the season starts yet, but I think they probably missed a trick. And this is, this is probably something that needs to go in a post-season wrap-up or whatever, but I, I think they probably missed a trick in not replacing Georgia Patrikios on their list as soon as they knew she was not going to be vaccinated. They held off in the hopes that she would change her mind. I don't think there was ever a realistic chance of her coming back because when that all happened, it was too close to the season start for her to be vaccinated in time to play. So I know we're getting into like the politics of footy and all that sort of stuff now, but I simply think that they missed a trick not finding someone to replace her on the list because it would have given them a bit more wiggle room throughout the season with all the injuries they had and things like that. So yeah, I just raised a question about the decision there. I think in the end, they only had 28 players on their list compared to everyone else having 30 available players. So, yeah. No, very good point. Uh, who are your playing performance? Uh, three to Eb Marinoff, you know, 51st game, 25 disposals, most on the ground, 12 tackles. So, again, she's doing it both ways. And then 400 metres gain, really loved that from her. Two to Anne Hatchard, who's been really damaging. And I think for the bulk of the season, maybe more damaging than Marinoff to an extent. Mm. 23 disposals, 332 metres gained, eight marks and seven inside 50s. So I'm not sure if anyone caught my article on Ed Marinoff a couple of weeks ago, but they together are more than just a sum of their parts. Um, they make each other more dangerous footballers when they're playing together. 
It's an amazing partnership they're forging. It's very, very impressive. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then one to Eloise Jones, despite her copying a suspension during this game. <laughs> uh, 16 disposals at 75% efficiency, seven score involvements and six inside 50. So she's playing that wing role really, really well for Adelaide. Yeah. Uh, I've given three votes to Ed Marinoff. Uh, agree with you there. She's pretty fantastic to watch play football. The new grandstands at RSEA Stadium make for exceptional viewing platforms. So getting to see that contest up close in that pocket is something else when the Crows are playing. I've given two votes to Tilly Lucas-Rod, under pressure obviously a lot in this game and doing a lot of two-way running to defend and then try and surge the ball forward, but just not enough for the Saints on the day. Uh, and I've given one to Aaron Phillips, who a couple of times in this game just did the Aaron Phillips thing and put ball into space, finding people like Marinoff and Hatchard and obviously Ash Woodland inside 50, just continues to be an extremely freakishly good footballer. Our second last game for the weekend, despite their finals fate being sealed by Collingwood the day before, the Dogs took on the Lions with gusto, keen to make an impact in their final game for the season. They started well, managed to maintain possession early, but the Lions won percenters and their team running an attack just overwhelmed the Dogs' defensive efforts. The Brisbane outfit were the clear winner by the final siren, claiming a 32-point victory and securing the home qualifying final against the Pies. Ash Guest announced her retirement and was fittingly chaired off, having been instrumental in that fantastic dogs backline for the last couple of years. The dogs will always have a question over this season. I, I think mm. the, the footy world will always have a question over the dog season if they hadn't had those interruptions early in the year and, and so many interruptions. I know other clubs have had the COVID stuff happen, whatever, but the dogs had that probably to a more significant extent than anyone else because they had to miss two games in a row. Um, then the easy Huntington injury, Kirsten McLeod being um, out with concussion. So it's a lot. had one of those things not happened, I think they probably make finals. They showed why. Obviously, they kind of fell away a little bit in this game, but I think they've got so much to work with, so much exciting talent to work with. And I think Naomi Ferris in this game flew absolutely under the radar with how good she was. She was she probably set up half of the dog scores, particularly in that first half. She was so good in this one. But for Brisbane, the, the support they show each other on the field is just unbelievable. Courtney Hodder's goal uh, in this game was absolutely the the epitome of that team first and and running for one another attitude and and Craig Starsevich in the presser after the game um, mentioned that specifically uh, in his 50th game as coach, no less. Shannon Campbell played a really important role in defense and then got forward and kicked her third goal of her career. So there are lots of little things to absolutely love in this game. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, can I also say that Eureka Stadium up in Ballarat is incredible and um, I wouldn't hate it if we played more AFLW games there, even though it's a bit of a drive. Because, I mean, we're happy to drive to Geelong. We we begrudgingly drive to Casey. I think we can get out to Ballarat more as well. It's a pretty amazing uh, piece of infrastructure, that one. I, I thought on the broadcast it looked magnificent. Um, I also really enjoyed how the dogs tried some different things in the back end of the game as well. I think um, they spoke to Mel Hickey at halftime and she was sort of alluding to some change-ups. They threw uh, Eleanor Brown into the midfield. They put Ash Guest up forward, which I can only assume was in an effort to get her a goal. They were trying to get her a goal. <laughs> Love it. Um, didn't pan out, but like just some fun stuff. Um, a nice way to kind of, you know, 
tests and things before your season comes to an end. Uh, if you watch Nathan Burke's presser post game, he mentions Eleanor Brown going into the middle and, and the reasons for that as well. Yeah, yeah. She's, uh, she's keen to move up in there. Who are your plan performers for this round? For the second week in a row, we had a player have 12 clearances in a game, which again is the equal second most in, in competition history. Um, that being Emily Bates, who I swear to gosh, if she doesn't win the competition best and fairest, I will be upset, hurt, per- personally hurt by. <laughs> if she doesn't win it, I will be questioning, questioning heavily. She had 18 touches, 12 clearances, 11 tackles. So, you know, everything you want from a midfielder, she did it at about 100. Greta Bodie gets my two. Uh, I just love watching Greta play. Like it's truly such a joy to watch her play footy. Um, she had 13 disposals at 84.6% efficiency. Again, disposal efficiency being that high is unbelievable. Um, she kicked two goals, had six score involvements. She created that hotter goal, really. Um, mm. she, she did the bulk of the running to make that happen. She also set up a really great Taylor Smith goal with a neat chip kick over the top. She just reads the ball so well and now has the skills and probably the confidence in her game to make the most of the way she reads the game. I love watching Greta Bodie play. And then uh, one to Izzy Pritchard, who we mentioned earlier, got the Rising Star nomination this week alongside Darcy Maloney. I think she was a real standout in the midfield for the Dogs. She had 14 touches, five marks, eight intercepts. And yeah, again, she used the ball 78.6%. So she's just come such a long way. She's such a clear athlete um but she's got the footy skills to match that athleticism now and having played Mm. every game this season she's been able to grow every single week which I've really loved watching yeah it's really nice to have seen her come into her own and and again there's another one of those younger players who has a real amazing future in the competition if they keep that up uh I have similarly given three votes to Emily Bates (laughs) you're right she's really making a case for that league best and fairest uh, I gave two votes to Ola O'Dwyer, who uh, kicked two goals for the Lions. First time she's kicked two in a game, I believe. I think you cooked that from my tweet. Yeah, yeah, yep. Credit Gemma Bassiani. I was sitting next to sitting next to Brisbane's uh, Brisbane's media team as I tweeted that. <laughs> um, and I've given one vote to Ellie Blackburn, who all across this season, uh, much like the captains we referenced earlier, Haley Miller, um, Emma Swanson, has just really stood up as a captain and really played her role and just also gets in there and gets it done. So she had 25 disposals and five tackles. She kicked a point, but, you know, that's okay. And then in the final match of the weekend, and I think one that we all thought was set to be really entertaining, uh, Fremantle hosted the Gold Coast Suns. The Dockers had already locked up their finals berth, uh, so this game was purely about gaining percentage. The Suns, having surprised everyone this season with their renewed brand of footy, had nothing but pride to lose. Frio's best returned to the side, but for three quarters it seemed like the Suns had them kind of perplexed, hitting the scoreboard just three times. Conversely, the Suns struggled with accuracy in front of goals. And in the fourth term, Fremantle found their usual form and surged home for a 37-point victory. It didn't quite make up the percentage stakes, so the Dockers will travel to Melbourne to face the Roos in their qualifying final. So 
Fremantle's pressure game has been really strong this year, but it hasn't always been as effective as it could be. Um, there's been a couple of games where it's the efficiency of it has fallen away when the tackle count may not have. Um, but against the Suns, it was back. And, you know, surprise, surprise, Kiara Bowers is back in the side. So they ended up winning the tackle count 87 to 45, which is a massive, massive difference. And they also won the tackle inside 50 count 16 to 5, despite losing the inside 50 count 24 to 28. So once the ball was in attack, they they did everything they could to keep it there. Again, Frio, one of the, the fittest teams in the comp. So their ability to run out games will always keep you on, on your toes. And I think as much as what happened last week against Melbourne with all their COVID interruptions and stuff, I think that probably was better timing for them because now those players are getting back and getting better in time for finals rather than still being impacted by that come finals. The other thing is it's actually not the worst thing in the world that they have to come to Melbourne for Mm. their final. They have a better win rate in Melbourne this year than they do at home. As much as it's annoying for them, I, I don't think they'll be looking at it like a massive disadvantage because they've made Melbourne their home essentially this year. Problem being, they've played North twice in AFLW history and they've lost both games by a combined margin of 11 points. So they'll be looking to rectify that. Very tight games. Yeah, they spoke to Haley Miller at one of the breaks and were talking about the the story being, you know, they'd have to play away and she basically brushed it off and was like, we don't really care. We'll play anywhere kind of thing. So fingers crossed. I think that, that game's going to be pretty great. The, the best teams are able to play well under pressure, not just on-field pressure, but off-field, like having to travel. Brisbane last year copped it worse than any other finals team, I would I would hazard a guess. We all know the story behind the Giants season, but of any finals team, Brisbane had to deal with a lot more than most other sides. This year, Brisbane and Freo are probably the two sides in finals that have had to cop it. So the best sides rise to the top no matter what their circumstances are, and this is their chance to show that. Yeah, and if anyone can do it, they can. Who are your plan performance for the round? As much as I tried to work out a way not to give Kiara Bowers three votes, <laughs> I couldn't. She played 60% of game time, still had 18 disposals, 17 tackles and six Good. clearances, which is just, I can just imagine how she was feeling champing at the bit because she's been out of the game for five weeks, I think now, just came out and wanted to murder people. So <laughs> that worked in Freya's favour. Two to Sarah Veria, who I think should be in the top three three for the rising star votes. I don't know that she will be because she's a defender, but she should be based on her season. She had 20 disposals at 75% efficiency, 381 metres gained. She's had over 300 metres gained in each of her last three games. Nine intercepts, five tackles, two inside 50s. Like, this is a kid who is just killing it in defence. Um and could you imagine an All-Australian defence with her and Shelley Heath as the smaller defenders? Unbelievable. Oof. You wouldn't want to be Courtney Hodder against that defensive line. And then one for Ange Stannett, who again in defence had a really good game. 21 disposals at 71.4% efficiency, 11 intercepts, one of just three dockers to ever have 11 or more intercepts in a game and five marks. Yeah, I agree with a couple of those, but in a different order. Uh, I've given three votes to Stannett. Like I said, huge game in defence and obviously using the ball um, with quite a high level of efficiency. I've given two votes to Bowers. Uh, Yeah, you just have to, like even for 60% game time, she still made a significant impact. 
Um, and in the tradition of always giving a votes to the opposition side, I've given one vote to Kalinda Howarth. I really enjoyed her season this year. She really gets in there and her repeat efforts are pretty phenomenal. So one vote to Kalinda. You're voting on one game, not their whole season. I know, but she played a great game. Okay. So we asked for a couple of questions today, but off the back of the brilliant ones that we got, we have decided that we're going to put out a general call out for questions and we'll do a special bonus episode in the run up to the grand final. So hit us up with your questions. You can send those to at play on radio Melb, my Twitter handle at rogue underscore Cal or at GL Bastiani. So we're up to our qualifying finals round this weekend. We have the Ruse hosting Fremantle at Arden Street and we have Brisbane hosting Collingwood at the Gabba. Again, as I, as I said earlier, Frio are yet to beat North Melbourne. Uh, in the AFLW, they've lost by a combined 11 points. Uh, 10 points this year, one point in round nine last year. North, theoretically, should be easy for Freo to beat. If they can pressure, they take away that uncontested style of play. But what what North did really well against Freo earlier this year was they forced Freo to take their shots at goal either really wide, so from difficult angles, or from distance so they didn't allow deep entries while they didn't allow shots on goal from from easy angles I imagine Freo will uh, have identified that obviously because they have Mm. a very good coaching panel uh, and worked out ways around that because the Western Bulldogs did a similar thing to Freo not long before that game as well so um, that's probably the thing to keep an eye on in that game and then obviously the second game for that same afternoon Collingwood heading up to Brisbane to play at the Gabba against the Lions. Uh, in the past, we've seen that be uh, a pretty brutal game. In fact, I believe they played that very game for qualifying finals last year. Is that right? Prelim last year. Prelim, that's right. It was, uh, it was a sad ending for Collingwood. Yeah, they played twice last year for a collective margin of seven points. Mm. So including the prelim and round seven last year. Um, collect, collective seven-point loss to Collingwood. But the Collingwood of this year is very different to the Collingwood of last year. They had, they're obviously missing a few players. They found a bit of a groove this year um, in, the, in the latter half, uh, probably the last three games or so. But Brisbane's humming in a way that I don't know that Vivian Pan beat. Um, they don't have the attacking power to combat that. Brisbane is averaging the highest score in the competition they're averaging the highest uh, inside 50 count in the competition. They're averaging the most tackles inside 50 in the competition, most clearances, both center clearances and stoppage clearances, uh, most running bounces. So Brisbane are going to win it at the source and keep the ball in their attacking 50. Collingwood, we've seen get get into some real trouble against teams in the past that have done that to them. Um, and, and I worry for them. I think uh, Collingwood are yet to beat a side that, that has made finals. Um, they're the only team to not beat any of the top six while also making the top six. So, yeah, I think this is going to be a, a morale booster for Brisbane more than anything. Yeah, and you'd have to think it's a it's a bit of a mind game for the Pies coming in against arguably a side that's ready to defend their premiership. On that note, who are you tipping? You go first. Oh, well, uh, I'm going to go... The Ruse by two for that first game between the Kangaroos and Fremantle. And I'm going to go Brisbane by 12 for the second game between Brisbane and Collingwood. 
just writing that down. Excellent. Uh, I'm going Frio by five. I think Frio is going to break their losing streak against North in this one. And I'm going to go Brisbane by 20. I think Brisbane is too good a side, especially because it's going to be at the Gabba. They don't have to contend with the wind like they did against Collingwood early this year. They've found some real system. Um, They're beating good sides by significant margins. So um, backing in Brisbane have a big win straight through to a prelim, unfortunately, against Melbourne. I wish the bracket had fallen the other way. Yeah. I wanted a Brisbane-Melbourne grand final more than anything this year, but impossible. <laughs> that is the the sad truth of it. Um, yeah, I'd forgotten that we, of course, would be playing in perfect conditions at the Gabba. Well, uh, that is officially a wrap on our preview of round 10 and, of course, the home and away season of 2022. If you'd like to follow along with us for the remainder of this season for the finals, jump on board. It's not too late. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at row underscore Kel, and you can also find at play on radio Mel. Gemma, what's your Twitter handle? I'm at GL Bastiani. Come to me for stats and opinions on AFLW and, you know, FLM as well. Let's be honest. And probably excessive retweets of anything from the Swans AFLW account, right? So. That, that tweet I made had some backlash. I said that the Swans AFLW account is now my new favourite Twitter account and a couple of clubs have messaged me, sad, asking that they can still be my second favourite. But, yeah, the Swans have an AFLW account now. Everyone go and follow it. They've signed their first player, which is incredibly exciting. And I'm as much as I'm sad about an off-season, which means no AFLW, um, I'm really excited to uh, be on board to write about all the expansion club signings and in particular the swans (laughs) we love to see it and i can't wait to read it well that's it from us for now thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time on footy actually 